Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on all things silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Who- Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby. A Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SB Nation, part of the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Hello there, Raider Nation, and let's go. It's Chiefs Week here on Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast brought to you by SB Nation. I am Evan Grote, and I am happy to be here with you all talking about your Las Vegas Raiders. If you have any questions that you have for me, please send them to me over at JustPodBaby.com, my website dedicated to the podcast. Simply click on the contact tab at the top of the homepage and send me a message with your question. Give me your name. uh, Give me the location where you're from, and I'm going to read those questions on air. Those are Messages that that go from the contact page directly to my email. So please, this is your chance, Raider Nation, to get involved with the show. I would love to hear from you guys and do some mailbag uh, question shows here in the near future. Now, because this game is being played on Monday night, I decided to hold off a day and get this one out to you um, on a Friday rather than on a Thursday. And I'm glad that I did because we have some updated news and notes this week. Uh, that I will get to here at the top of the show. Before I do that, though, I do want to go through the rundown uh, for this week's preview show. As we do each and every week, we will take a deep dive into the opponent and try to help bring you the best information that you can get and get you all prepared for the game. Um, also, in segment one, I'm going to go on a little rant this week. And, and, and you know, this is something that's been kind of stewing uh, with me for a couple of days now. I'm going to go on, on a rant on, on one player in particular, on the defense. Um, I don't like to go after players too much. Um, I, I try to keep it neutral, but, you know, I got to be objective. That's that's just how I do it here. You know, I praise players when they deserve it, and I also crit- criticize and critique when I think they deserve it as well. So um, that's what we'll do here uh, in segment one. Our guest this week is Chiefs beat writer Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star, and I'm really excited to speak with him and get the lowdown on the Chiefs because, you know, to be honest with you, I haven't really watched the Chiefs um, a whole lot this year. I, I've seen bits and pieces of the the game they had against the Colts. I saw a little bit of their game with Tampa Bay the other night, but I really haven't watched them real close. Of course, I did watch a little bit of that Chargers game as well, but, you know, they look a little different this year. A lot of new faces on that team, some rookies they have that have stepped right in and are playing some meaningful snaps. So we're going to chat with, with Jesse about all of that. Uh, but we are gonna we're, we're we're gonna kick it off this evening with the news and the notes from the week. First off, on the injury front, their offense got some good news this week with the return of Hunter Renfro to the practice fields. 
Uh, he was a full participant on Thursday as well as on Friday, so he will give them a, a much-needed boost this week, and his presence out there will help out in a big way because it's going to take some pressure off of Devontae Adams and Darren Waller. You've seen how teams have been defending them with the, with the double teams and the bracket coverages. Teams are now going to have to decide, and the Chiefs are going to have to decide this week, how they want to continue to you know, defend Waller and, and, and Adams. Do they want to you know, invest in, in sending extra guys their way to double team them. And if so, they're going to leave up, they're going to leave those opportunities open for renter, uh, Hunter Renfro. Um, and, you know, after all the buildup this, this past off season about all the weapons on offense for the Raiders, they haven't really gotten off to the start that we imagined. And part of that has to do with the fact that they have not been at full strength only, only in two games. So um, really it, it's still a work in progress and we hope that it all comes together soon here. Uh, it would be a nice time to start here in Kansas City this Monday. Now, Renfro played really well against Kansas City last year. He caught 20 passes for 153 yards and two touchdowns. You hope that he can keep that going here this week as well. It also does not look like uh, Foster Moreau. He will be unavailable most likely on Monday night. He has not practiced yet this week uh, as of Friday. He still could possibly get in a, a practice on Saturday, but it, it does look doubtful at this point. And, you know, one of the things that they the Raiders did last week to kind of help supplement some of the blocking that he does was to use Justin Haran uh, as that sixth lineman role and kind of an extension of the tight end, really. But I'm sure many of you heard today he was placed on injured reserve. He tore his ACL in practice on Thursday. So really unfortunate for him because, um, you know, they, they just went out and made the trade for him. Um, and, and now his season is over. And I and I do think they had a plan for him at some point to to get him into the mix and, and have him compete for that right tackle position. Um, it still doesn't seem to be completely um, certain who they, they're going to go with. We've seen a lot more of Mumford here as of late, but you know the Raiders are going to just have to continue to roll with the combination of Thayer Mumford Jr. and, and Jermaine Illuminor at right tackle. Over on defense, Rocky Yassine, was also back out in the practice field this week in a limited fashion on Thursday and got in a full practice on Friday after missing week four with a knee injury. That's a good um, that's good news for the secondary because they've been really banged up um, and, and they're going to need all hands on deck here with the defense going up against a really good Chiefs offense. Denzel Perryman was back at it as well. Um, you never know with those concussions. Sometimes they're just a little bit more severe than others. Um, he did leave that game uh, in week four against the Broncos with a concussion, and he was full go on Friday. So it looks like he will be in the lineup for sure on Monday night. The other notable news and notes uh, from this week is that the Raiders, uh, Dave Ziegler stayed busy, went out and signed two players. Uh, one of those players, linebacker Blake Martinez, uh, and also signed a wide receiver, Albert Wilson. Now, Martinez, we'll start with him. Uh, as you know by now, I'm sure, has a previous relationship with Patrick Graham going back to, um, I believe, 2018 when they were both in Green Bay. And then when uh, Graham went over to the Giants, they also brought over Martinez with him as well. So 
Uh, makes a lot of sense from a scheme perspective. Uh, they have a very good relationship. I know that they were they're very close off the field as well. And you know Martinez knows the defense, so it shouldn't take him long to get up to speed, having already played in the system. And I did see that Ian Rappaport on Friday tweeted out that the Raiders were already planning to sign Martinez to the active roster because he was signed to the practice squad. So he looks like he'll be uh, getting the call up to the active roster. So it's very possible that you will see Martinez, you know, in action on. Monday night. Now, is it just me? I, I was thinking about this too when I saw that they had signed him. Is it just me, or does it seem like every year the Raiders, whether it's because they're dealing with injuries or whatever, poor play, whatever it may be, that at some point during the season they go out and sign a linebacker off the couch? It happens every year, and I know you know teams. That's that's what happens throughout the year. You need to add players to the roster, but it seems like. More times than not, it's always at linebacker with the Raiders. Could they go out and draft a linebacker, you know, once in a while? I know they just picked up Diablo, you know, a couple years ago. But, man, I would really love to see this team invest in a reliable, you know, young linebacker, you know, through the draft, through you know, through the draft. Because I know they did go out and sign uh, when Gruden and Mayock were, were here. They signed uh, Littleton and Kwiatkowski and they didn't work out but you know go out there and invest in a linebacker through the draft I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself here but anyways that was on my mind the other uh player as I mentioned Albert Wilson who was signed to the practice squad on Friday you might recall Wilson uh from his days with the Chiefs he also spent some time with the Dolphins and most recently he was with the Vikings during training camp this summer he did not make their 53-man roster so he was available and, you know, doing a little bit of reading up on him, known at, uh, for his speed. You know, he does have some big playability. You know, initially when I heard the news um, that that he was signed, I, I immediately I thought, okay, well, maybe they're bringing him in to, to help boost the special teams, maybe use him as, you know, in the return game. Um, you know, obviously now um, – we have gotten the news that they they brought him in to really take the place of Tyron Johnson, who was waived today by the Raiders. And I, you know, I I kind of not not surprised to see that, but Johnson, you know, had a pretty good camp, uh, did some good things in preseason games. We heard a lot about him making plays in practice, but really never got an opportunity in game action. And and you know, he is really the only was the only guy on the roster that they they had it was like a deep threat you know deep speed and 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 you know they just never really got him an opportunity so they they say goodbye to him they bring in Wilson who who hopefully can maybe bring a little bit more to the table um in that regard and and so they move on from uh Tyron Johnson uh, hoping that Albert Wilson can can provide some big plays this is a tough wide receiver group to crack you know especially when you consider that Mac Hollins has really emerged. We all thought that he was going to be, you know, the fourth option behind the big three, but really, when when you he he he's been so involved through the first four games, and and that partly to do with Hunter Renfro being out. But statistically, when you look at it right now, he's the the Raiders' number two receiving option. So you know, he's really been um, a bright spot. I think he's offered them a little bit more than even they expected uh, from a production standpoint on offense. So, all right, those are the, you know, you're caught up now with the news and the notes from the week. I do now want to shift gears. You know, I told you I had a rant for you. Um, I got I got a vent here. You know, this, I'm just going to call this a little venting session, 
about a certain player who I believe is just at this point is stealing money from Mark Davis right now, and, and that is Chandler Jones. And, you know, listen, Chandler Jones, he is a fellow upstate New York guy. You know, he grew up, uh, you know, close to Rochester, New York, just, a, you know, hour from me, hour and a half from me. So, you know, I've got nothing but love from Chandler. You know, I've, I've kind of watched him from afar his whole career because because of the proximity to where, you know, he grew up and I grew up. Seems like a really nice guy, great teammate. But I have to tell you, the Las Vegas police, they might want to send out a search party for this guy because he is nowhere to be found on Sundays. And, and you know, maybe he'll show up in Kansas City on Monday night. Maybe, maybe, maybe Mondays are his days. Maybe he will do something on Monday night. But through four weeks of this season, Chandler Jones is M-I-A. And I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it from the film gurus out there, the guys who break down the film. I think you guys do a great job. But don't go posting clips of Chandler Jones, you know, almost getting a sack or making a tackle downfield. I watch the games too. I've got eyes too. And I know what Chandler Jones has been up to, and that is nothing. Now, the reason why this topic has been on my mind is because on Monday, when I was reviewing the Josh McDaniels press conference, when he met with the media, his weekly Monday press conference, he was asked a question. And the question was, is he concerned with the lack of production on the stat sheet from Jones? Now, if you didn't hear the response, I have it for you. I'm going to play it for you. Let's take a listen. And then when we come back, I'll give you my thoughts. He's making a lot of plays that don't show up in this, and I, and that's probably going to be, uh, you know, uh, you know, not not good enough for everybody that, to to listen to, um, but you know, making plays in a running game, uh, drew multiple holding penalties yesterday. I mean, there's there's ways to to produce, and there's way to impact the game uh, beyond just the the one column, you know, that everybody's looking for. So, I uh, thought he and Max uh, Cleveland, uh, Malcolm. You know, Bilal, I thought there was a lot of different things going on up front yesterday where we created some negativity uh, offensively for them with some of our effort, the way we were playing. We didn't always make the tackle or we didn't always get the sack or the TFL, but um, we created it for somebody else to have it, you know. And so Chandler's an unselfish guy, you know, and, and uh, he understands what his role is and um, nobody would want to, you know, have more of those than Chandler would, but he also is not going to sit here and get frustrated with lack of those production stats. Um, he was in there. Russell felt him some yesterday for sure. And like I said, he, he drew a few holding calls that were important in the game. So, um, you know, I think impact is sometimes, if you look at it and measure it just by the one column, you can kind of, you can misjudge it a little bit. Um, I like the way he's playing. I like the effort he's playing with. And, and I think those will come. You guys have all seen The Godfather, right? It's a classic movie, one of, one of my all-time favorites. You, you, I'm sure you've all seen it, right? And if you haven't, please go out there and watch The Godfather. It's a great movie. Do you remember the line, uh, Michael Corleone, don't ever insult my intelligence, it makes me very angry? I, I want to say that to Josh McDaniels right now. Josh, please. Okay, we, we watch a lot of football, okay? We may not be head coaches. We not we, we, we may not be, you know, in the same realm as you, but th- please don't. Please don't tell us that. Nothing makes me more irritated than when a coach gives you some phony baloney, you know, line like that. Okay? 
I don't want to hear it from Josh McDaniels that Chandler Jones does things that don't show up in the box score. Save it, Josh, okay? Save it. It doesn't take a football genius to see that through four games, Chandler Jones has done nothing, okay? You heard jo- uh, you heard McDaniels talk about you know him doing some things that open up plays for other players. Well, he's not doing anything from a pass rush standpoint. The team has five sacks. Max Crosby has four. So he isn't making anyone else on that unit better. That's for sure. Max Crosby has no running mate. Nothing from the interior. Nothing on the other side. Just like Khalil Mack. That's where we are again. Khalil Mack had nothing. No help on the outside. No help on the inside. You know, it's not all the time that you get these all-pro defensive ends coming through your your franchise. Could you go out there and get them some help? Now, I know that was the plan with Chandler Jones. But right now, he's not producing. I mean, can, could, could McDaniels just be honest with us and say, you know, Chandler's been a great player in this league. You know, he's off to a slow start, but he works hard in practice. He gives great effort in the games, and we believe that he'll start doing some of those things that we, we, we brought him in here to do. I mean, don't sit there and tell me that he does things that are helping this team win games. That is that is a lie. That is a lie. I don't expect him to throw his, his, his players under the bus. That's not what I'm saying. But be honest. Be honest. Now, I've got some numbers for you here to prove my point. For those of you who may be out there saying, you know, that, that you agree with Daniels, McDaniels, or that I'm wrong. The first number that I want to mention is $17 million. And that is what Jones is being paid this year. And that ranks him as the sixth highest paid defensive end in the NFL. And that is according to Spotrack.com. Some other stats I have for you. Chandler Jones has zero sacks through four games. I went on pro football focus. Let's check it from an analytics standpoint, right? Let's let's take, let's look at it both ways. I, I go with the eye test. What do I see with my eyes? And then I'm going to go take a look at some of the analytics. The, the, the pressure numbers, right? Everyone likes to talk about pressures. Let's see where he ranks there, right? I couldn't even find his name on the list. I had to scroll to page two. He's got eight pressures on the year. That ranks him 54th among edge rushers in the NFL. You might be asking yourself, okay, okay, not a lot of pressures. What about hurries? Is he is he is he getting those quarterback hurries? He's got to be doing that well there, right? Nope. Four hurries on the year. That puts him at 64th in the rankings. Now everyone said, oh, well, they brought him in because he is a great run defender. Much better than Yannick Ngakwe. So surely. When I looked up the run grade, it had to be good, right? No, you're wrong again. 50.5 is his run grade over at Pro Football Focus. 135th among edge players. One tackle for loss on the year. Now, I know Pro Football Focus is just one way to evaluate. But again, I'm watching these games every week just like you guys are. This man has been an absolute bust of a free agent signing. And you can't blame Chandler Jones for taking the money. Don't I am don't don't get it twisted. I am not blaming the player. I would never criticize a player for taking the money that a team offers them. He's got to do what's best for him and his family. But can Chandler Jones can he get a sack? Can he force a fumble? He doesn't have any of those either this year. Can he get his hands on a ball and bat it down? He doesn't have any of those plays either. Something, anything, Chandler. This defense needs you. Needs you badly. 
and they need you badly this week to step up and to make an impact in the game. So I do not want to hear it anymore about Chandler Jones and what he's doing is helping the team win. I've seen some people put it out there on Twitter. I'm now hearing Josh McDaniels talk about it. He's been bad, and there's no debating it. Now, there's a lot of football to play. A lot of football to play. And he is a future Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. He's got plenty of time to turn it around. And, and you know, sometimes sacks and big plays, they come in bunches. But it needs to start happening soon. This team is 1-3. They got a real tough test this week against the Chiefs. You know, you start looking at one and four, possibly. You know, when is he going to start showing up in these games? When it's too late? Let's let's hope not. So that was my rant there on Chandler Jones. I need to get to a break right now. I got to cool off, right? I got to cool down. I got to get a drink of water here. Cool down. And when I return, we will begin to take a look at the Kansas City Chiefs, and we will also welcome in our guest this week, Jesse Newell, Chiefs beat writer for the Kansas City Star. This is Just Pop Baby, brought to you by SB Nation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply part of the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. Welcome back to Just Pod, baby. Run down the field, on Your home for all things Las Vegas Raiders football. Raiders! News, views, and guests. Just win, baby. <laughs> There's only one nation, and they listen here. Once a Raider, always a Raider. And welcome back, Raider Nation. This is Just Pod Baby, the preview show, the week five preview show as the Raiders travel to Kansas City on Monday night to take on the Chiefs. Uh, And we're going to dive into the Chiefs now a little bit here. We're going to go through some of their offensive ranks and defensive ranks as well. Before we do that, though, I do want to – I put a tweet out this week. Uh, I'm sure many of you who follow me at egroat 5 saw it. Um, Derek Carr is 1-7 in in his career uh, at Arrowhead Stadium. Just has not been a a friendly place to him or the Raiders over the last – eight years and you know I don't want you to think I'm out there cherry picking my stats the reason why I went with since Derek Carr has been the quarterback is because obviously he has been the one constant in this franchise over you know the last eight years they've had several different head coaches they've had you know tons of turnover within the roster new general managers new team presidents you name it it's it's turned over he is the one constant so that is why I I decided to go um with that you know, starting in, in 2014 since Derek Carr has been with the team. The Raiders offense has only averaged 14 points a game in those eight games in Arrowhead Stadium, while the defense has allowed 27 points a game. So, you know, it's just been it's been offense, you know, not getting enough points on the board, and it's been the defense just allowing too much. So it's been a bad combination. Again, not complimentary football. You hope that they can fix that this week. Um, now, as far as some of the ranks go for the Chiefs, 
scoring offense. They are second in the NFL right now. They're averaging 32 points a game, and that's you know that's even that's without Tyreek Hill, which you know is still you know kind of surprising. They've scored 40 points twice this season already. Total yardage, they rank fifth. They're averaging 384 total yards a game. Passing yardage, they're seventh with 268 a game. Rushing yards, they're 11th, which, you know, that's a little bit surprising to me with 117 yards per game on the ground. Red zone scoring, uh, you know, they're very good, unlike the Raiders inside the red zone. They're um, scoring a touchdown at a 73.6% of the time, which is really good. Uh, That's how you win football games. Third down percentage offense, they're really good there as well. They're ranked third in the NFL. They complete or they convert 51% of their third down attempts. So, you know, you look at the recipe here, they're very good on third downs, and they're very good in the red zone. It's no surprise that they're 3-1. and one. Um, They do have four giveaways on the year, two interceptions uh, and two fumbles. Um, defensively, they are the 20th scoring defense in the NFL. They're average, or they allow 24 points a game right now. Total yardage, they're ranked 13th. They're allowing 329 yards a game. Passing yards is where they can be had. 27th in the league, they're allowing 264 yards per game. <clears throat> Excuse me, I do think that's an area where, you know, when you look at matchups, this would be an area where if the passing game is going to take off, this would be a good week to do it because they are a little bit vulnerable on the back end. Their rushing defense is right now it's ranked number one in the NFL. And, you know, I've, I've heard other people point to the fact that the last week against the, the Buccaneers, they only attempted, you know, just a, a few rushing attempts. So that may be skewed a little bit, but nonetheless, they are still ranked number one, 65.8 yards on the ground allowed uh, per game. Red zone defense. This is another area which I could, I think, is a could be a key in the game. You know, it's an area where the Raiders have struggled, but the Char- uh, Chiefs' defense is also not very good in the red area. They're allowing eighty um, percent of the time teams travel into the red area. They're allowing touchdowns. So if there's ever a week that the Raiders' offense can can get well in the red zone, it could be this week um, against the Chiefs. Third downs, they're they're about average. They rank 16th in the NFL. They're allowing 37.7 uh, conversion rate. They do have four takeaways on the year, and they do rank 11th uh, in the NFL with, uh, excuse me, they do rank 6th in the NFL with 11 sacks of the team. So they can get after the quarterback. You know, Steve Spagnola, he's known as one of those defensive coordinators who likes to bring pressure. He likes to bring a lot of exotic blitzes. I've talked about that in the past before. So, you know, their defense seems to be much more improved than what we have seen in previous years where they've, you know, had to be carried by that offense. This year, it seems to be a little bit different of a, of a recipe with them. They still have that potent offense. It may, may not be as explosive now without Tyreek Hill, but they got Patrick Mahomes there who can, you know, get it done with really anybody receiving the ball. Um, Travis Kelsey is off to a good start again, but the defense, the defense is, is kind of where they're, they're, you know, making some ground here um, and they're taking a little bit of that pressure um, off the offense for the Chiefs. So that's a little bit, that's my little quick rundown um, on the Chiefs from an offensive and, and defensive standpoint. With that out of the way, I do want to go out to the phone lines now and welcome in our guest this week on the preview show. Chiefs beat writer for the Kansas City Star, Jesse Newell, joins us from Kansas City to help us preview Monday night's game. And Jesse, we appreciate the time and we're really glad to have you aboard. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. And, you know, Jesse, you know, I I think it's really interesting because just a few months ago, 
the Chiefs traded away Tyreek Hill, and in return they picked up a bunch of draft picks. And, and many people out there thought this might be the end of the Chiefs' reign uh, in the AFC West. But now we jump ahead four weeks into the regular season, and you look at the standings, and the Chiefs are right there at the top with a 3-1 and one record. Clearly the cream of the crop once again in the division. But I want to start with the Chiefs' offense. You know, they're still scoring plenty of points. Looks like they're scoring 32 a game right now, which is second in the NFL. Without Tyreek Hill in that offense now, what has been the biggest change? Well, yeah, it's, it's been, I think, kind of as they had hoped, which is, you know, it's going to hurt to lose Tyreek Hill. I mean, the guy's a future Hall of Famer. Um, obviously, you've seen the production he's had for Miami. He's a one-of-one one in the NFL with the speed and what he has, but... I think the sort of hope that the Chiefs had, and I talked to you know Brett Veach, the GM, over the offseason, I was saying, hey, do you try to cater to Patrick's strengths? Do you try to bring in receivers that help him do what he does well? And, you know, Brett told me, he's like, well, actually, you know, Pat kind of gives you the luxury where I just bring in good talent and believe that he can kind of cater to it, and so can Andy Reid. So I think the hope was to kind of get 90 to 95% of what the offense was last year and, and take a, a natural step back without Tyree Kill. But you bring in Juju Smith-Schuster, you bring in Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you draft Sky Moore, and you get all these draft picks that you mostly use to try to help a defense that was not very good a year ago. And all of a sudden, the Chiefs have a defense that can pick them up and even lead them to uh, victories, as we saw in the Chargers game in Week 2. So it's just turned out pretty well for them so far. But offensively, it's just been spreading around more. And they still have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. If, if you look at guys like Trey Smith and Joe Tooney and uh, you know Center Creed Humphrey, uh, Orlando Brown, left tackle. Uh, they, they showed that against Tampa Bay where they really dominated the game. So you start with that. You have these new pieces of receiver, not quite as – obviously not as dynamic as Tyreek Hill, but more depth of that position. And then you're just hoping for Patrick Mahomes to be comfortable out there and hope that they can get the run game going with those guys that are maulers on the offensive line and have this take a different look and a different form but still be, like I said, maybe 85 to 90% as productive as last year. You add that to a better defense, and all of a sudden your team's looking about as good as it was a year ago with a lot more long-term potential because you have all these new young, fast, and physical players. So, so far, so good for the Chiefs. It's been a little bit inconsistent, to be honest with you. You know, the first and fourth games, Arizona was really good, and obviously Tampa Bay was off the charts good. But those middle two, you know, the Chargers, the offense struggled, and then the Colts game, it obviously struggled too. So it's been a little bit of up and down, but – if you look at most of the metrics across the NFL, the EPA per play, that sort of stuff, the Chiefs are still at the top. So they're still doing something right, and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes continue to use their magic to lead the Chiefs down the field in most instances. Yeah, and even at 85 or 90% of what they were last year, that's still a pretty darn good offense. So, yeah, they seem to be really clicking. Um, you know, you mentioned some of the other receivers that were brought in. Um, to to um to be you know to replace Tyreek Hill and we all know how good Travis Kelsey is so we don't really have to spend a lot of time talking about him but who has emerged as that reliable go-to guy after Kelsey for for uh, Patrick Mahomes? Um, well, right now it would be Juju Smith-Schuster who kind of gives them honestly he's kind of a skill set similar to Kelsey which is he can beat zone he can kind of find the soft spots he's a physical player. You can get those tough yards after catch, that sort of thing that Kelsey has thrived on. But, I mean, the real answer is probably no one at this point, and that's sort of by design. You know, Patrick Mahomes kind of jokingly said this before the season, but he basically apologized to fantasy football owners out there to say, hey, it's going to be a different person every week. So, like, good luck guessing whether it's Juju or Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Sky Moore. You know, they're going to basically try to throw to the open guy. Uh, but, you know, this might be – if I'm just being completely honest, this is probably a good time to catch the Chiefs right now because that chemistry hasn't fully formed. We saw 
the best of it against Tampa Bay where Patrick Mahomes was able to hit Marquez Valdez-Scantling a couple times down the field. He really hadn't been um, producing that much up until last week, to be completely honest with you. He'd been a guy that was mostly silent on the field a bunch, but uh, not really picking up those catches as we might have expected. But they still are developing chemistry. And I, I wrote a story in the, in the preseason. You know, It kind of depends on who you are as a quarterback or an offense and what you want to do. But the Chiefs have thrived so much on what I call the, the squiggly lines of the playbook or the, the blurry lines of the playbook, which means Patrick Mahomes, there's the playbook route that he wants you to run but he also wants you to not run directly into coverage. So if you need to break off that route or do something a little bit different to find an opening, that's what he wants you to do, and then he's going to see that and throw it to that open space. That's why him and Travis Kelsey are so good. It's just that they kind of have this ESP between them, but they know, hey, I'm going to go here. Patrick's no, Patrick knows I'm going to go here, and then he's going to find me in that opening in the zone, and there's going to be a bunch of you know gain of yardage. They're still working on that with those other guys. I mean, they're still working on that with Juju, with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore has admitted to us that he's still as a rookie thinking with the playbook and, you know, wants to play without thinking, but right now it's still sort of coming to him. So um, that backup option right now is, is sort of one by committee, but I think that'll look a lot better for them in week 15, 16, 17 than it will in week five. So if you're going to catch the chiefs, I think you probably want to catch them early, probably give you the best chance. And that chemistry is not fully formed, but like I said, even without it being fully formed, you still have Travis Kelsey, still have Patrick Mahomes, still have Andy Reid, and you still have one of the highest scoring offenses in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I've tried to tell my listeners out there that, and this was going back to the to training camp. Is as long as Patrick Mahomes, you know, is the quarterback of the Chiefs, you have to favor them to win win the division. I don't care how good the teams around, you know, in the division have gotten. He, he's just he's that good. Um, I also want to ask you about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You know, he's a, he's a guy that they used a first round draft pick on just a few years ago. You talked about the the, the play of the offensive line. I, I believe Pro Football Focus has them graded as their number one run blocking. Uh, offensive line unit, and I, I noticed he hasn't been getting a ton of work this year, uh, Edwards Alaire. But the but the work that he has been given, he's been pretty efficient with us. What could you tell us about that? Yeah, so it, it's been an interesting start of the season for him because if you look at his numbers, and, and the PFF grades will show you this as well, where he's been elite so far is in the pass catching game, and he, they've been using him more in that than they did in years past. You know, they have the, what they call the Texas route or the angle route, where you kind of go out and then back in again. He's made some really big plays on that and, and shown great hands and then an ability to break tackles in that sort of setting. As far as the run game goes, he came into the season as their number one guy, and he's been better than past years. Again, he's a former first-round pick, so the expectations were high to start with. But, you know, there's been good weeks and there's been bad weeks. You know, the Colts game was a really bad week for him where he had seven rushes for no yards. And in one particular play, you know, he had about a three- or four-yard hole. Instead of just kind of turning it up field, he tried to bounce it outside instead lost three or four yards. And then this last game was very interesting because Andy Reid and the Chiefs decided to give rookie Isaiah Pacheco more carries, and Pacheco was just on fire. I mean, he was keeping his balance. He was spinning off tackles. He was getting physical. He was getting yards after contact. And it was funny because when Clyde checked back in, Clyde started running with a little bit more oomph to his game and a little more physicality, sort of like, oh, uh, if I don't start running a little bit better, then this guy, this rookie behind me might start replacing me. So, it's been, like I said, it's been a good year for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I would not call him one of the best running backs in the NFL. And in fact, I'd probably say the running back for Maine is one of the weaknesses on the Chiefs' overall team as far as position groups go. But Isaiah Pacheco is coming on. Um, he's a big kid, big kid who has great speed. The, the problem for him is just sort of in vision. He's he's not remained patient with his runs most of the time and has hit the wrong hole. And when you hit the wrong hole, even if it's blocked, like you might not gain the yardage that you need. But he looks the best he's ever looked at Tampa Bay. So this is sort of an interesting turning point moment for the Chiefs right now because, again, Clyde's been their guy. 
He's been great out of the backfield. He's been better in the run game than he has been in years past and ran well against Tampa Bay. But there's also somebody on his heels right now, and that's Isaiah Pacheco. And if he gets the vision sorted out, then this could be somebody that Chiefs look more to not only in week five here, but potentially over the course of the rest of the season. Jesse Newell, who covers the Chiefs for the Kansas City Star, is our guest this week on Just Pod Baby. And you mentioned uh, an improved defense, a defense that they can kind of lean on a little bit more than they have in the past. I was looking at some of the numbers for them, and immediately the run defense jumps out at you. It's the number one run defense in the NFL in terms of yards allowed per game. Uh, talk to us about why the defense has been able to be so stout against the run. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think you got to start and put some context on it first. Like, the Bucks ran, I think it was six times for three yards against the Chiefs, and part of that was just game script. You know, the Chiefs kicked the ball off, and Tampa Bay fumbled the opening kickoff, and two plays out of the Chiefs scored a touchdown. So, I mean, that's automatically you have Tom Brady. You're going to want to try to come back in the game. But Tampa Bay was down for most of the game. So a lot of that was just sort of game script dependent and uh, the Buccaneers trying to catch up. So, so let's get that caveat out of the way first. I think part of this is just kind of how things have fallen. But as far as run defense goes, I mean, the last few years, that's what we've talked about the Chiefs being their big bugaboo. Like the one thing they could not stop was other teams wanting to run against them. And even in the playoffs, you go back to like the Patriots game a few years back in the AFC Championship game at Arrowhead where the Chiefs just could not stop the Patriots from running it down their neck. And that's been a concern. And this year it's been a lot better. And I would probably point pinpoint three players most, but, you know, I've gotten kind of contributions from other people. You know, Carlos Dunlap, uh, a free agent signing they've gotten, he's you know pretty good against the run, George Karloftis. Uh, a first-round defensive end that they got uh, in the draft this past year. You know, he hasn't been an amazing guy when it comes to sacks so far. He has no sacks in his rookie season, but he's been solid and pretty good against the run as well. But the three guys I would say uh, would be Chris Jones. You know, you look at his numbers right now, and they're up there with Aaron Donald. I mean, he is a disruptive force on the interior line for the Chiefs. And uh, if I'm the Raiders kind of with some of the uh, – <laughs> I guess the, the concerns you have with the offensive line with them, that would be one of the biggest concerns coming in this game is where's number 95 for the chiefs and how much can he get in the backfield? The second level, I would say Nick Bolton. He's a guy that was a rookie a season ago, uh, played a lot behind Anthony Hitchens, but Anthony Hitchens moved on and at the end of his contract. So Nick Bolton stepped in that role. He's a really heady player who understands angles and has been able to get in there on a lot of run stops, had a tackle for loss against the Bucks, but potentially maybe the most important player, I think, for them is Justin Reed. He's a guy, a safety on the back end. They signed to a deal. And remember, this team uh, the past few years has relied on Tyron Matthew to, to be that safety on the back end, kind of the leader type. Uh, but the one thing that Matthew was not great at, especially late in his tenure with the Chiefs, is, was being that run support guy. And that is one of Justin Reed's strengths. So it allows the Chiefs to kind of remain in their nickel package, but yet get a lot of run support and also some physicality from that position and Justin Reed coming downhill and making a big hit. So I think you add those three guys together, and that's been a big part of their uh, run stopping so far. But, uh, again, it's, it's, it's interesting and weird to say that safety has a lot to do with this, but I do think the Chiefs have sort of gotten a better addition by subtraction in some of these areas for run defense especially. And uh, Reed and Bolton replacing those guys that they did, that's been a major upgrade for the Chiefs, especially when it comes to the run. So that's some of the, the positives from the defense. Um, I want to get to something, well, to an area that I believe they're struggling in, and that's that's uh, in the red zone. So they're allowing um, 80% uh, of, of the, the time teams come into the red zone, they're allowing you know, 80% of the time touchdowns to be scored. Um, and, and that's a rare, an area that the Raiders' uh, offense has struggled. But how, how do you think that matchup could, could play out in this game? What's your take on that? Yeah, and again, red zone is sometimes a little bit dependent on sample sizes and things like that. Um, you know, I, I would say this 
for the Raiders. If I'm if I'm the Chiefs going into this, here's the number one concern. And again, here when I talk about good timing, here's another bit of good timing for the Raiders, especially with the wide receiving wide receiving group that they have. Um, Jalen Watson is a seventh round rookie cornerback who's played on the outside for them, covered number one receivers basically. Had to step in because uh, Trent McDuffie is hurt, the first round pick for the Chiefs. He was kind of expected to lock down one side on the outside. He got hurt in the opening game against Arizona, and so Jalen Watson has stepped in admirably. He's the one that had the 99-yard pick six in that game against the Chargers that basically won the Chiefs the game. But um, I've got to be honest, like the Buccaneers picked on him last week, and he's a guy that's a little bit taller, but the technique was not always there, was not always sound, and some of those back shoulder throws, he was not in good position to defend. And so uh, this is the thing I would be concerned about if I was the Chiefs, is that McDuffie is eligible to come back next week against the Bills but this week against the Raiders, you're going against a really good receiving core and uh, potentially a team that is looking on film, watching film, watching Tom Brady and saying, ooh, this Jalen Watson guy might be somebody that we can go after, uh, especially in the past game. So uh, that would be the one thing I would look at. And again, and that would definitely show itself in the red zone. We saw a couple jump ball types that uh, the Buccaneers were able to complete against the Chiefs, and, and that might be part of the reason for the red zone struggles. The other one is Juan Thornhill did not have a great game. Uh, the safety for the Chiefs on the back end, uh, when it came to coverage, he allowed another touchdown catch to uh, Mike Evans as well uh, in the end zone when he was a little bit late to react. So the Chiefs can be gotten on the back end, and some of this is just growing pain. Some of this is injury-related. Like I said, Trent McGuffey probably going to be back for the Chiefs next week against the Bills, but won't be there this week uh, because he's on IR against the Raiders. So uh, that would be one of the major matchups. Again, we can talk uh, Chris Jones versus the Raiders O-line. Will there be enough time to throw the football? But if there is, then look to the outside because uh, fine 35 for the Chiefs. Uh, that The Buccaneers were not hesitant to go after him in his rookie season when he's trying to fill in for Trent McDuffie, and that could be something to exploit against the Chiefs, especially on this Monday night game. That's great information there, and I'm, and I'm sure you're aware that Derek Carr is 1-7 in seven, uh, so far in his career at Arrowhead, not a place that's been uh, too friendly to him or the Raiders in the last few years. So Raiders desperate for another win here this week. It should be interesting to see how it all plays out. But Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star, we thank you so much for your time, and we appreciate you coming on with us tonight, giving us a few minutes. All right, thanks so much. All right, there goes Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star. Gave us a nice little rundown there on the Chiefs, and I didn't mention it in, in my quick little overview, but... He did with the offensive line among the best in the NFL. Pro Football Focus's number one run blocking unit, and they have invested a lot of a lot of uh, money and and some draft picks in, into the offensive line since they were embarrassed in that Super Bowl against the Bucks, and it, it's really paid off. They've really transformed it into a, a really good group, and, and so that's going to be a, another difficult matchup, you know, for the Raiders. Their defensive line that you know, to be honest with you, I have not been that impressed with, uh, both from you know stopping the run and, and uh, getting after the quarterback. They're going to need to find a way to make things difficult for Patrick Mahomes. You can't let him just sit back there and, and pick you apart. At the same time, he's also very difficult to blitz because he's just so darn mobile and he can he makes those you know, backyard-type plays that we saw from Kyler Murray. And that's, you know, and that's what makes him so hard to defend. That's, that's why he is arguably the, the best quarterback out there playing the game right now. All right, Raider Nation, that was your Week 5 preview. Uh, it is time for me to wrap this one up. I do see the Raiders are the seven-point underdogs on the road at Arrowhead Stadium. They absolutely need another win here. Can't afford to fall the 1-4. and four. It could be uh, a very, very difficult situation to get themselves out of. I will be back on Tuesday 
uh, with a uh, recap show, uh, recapping the, the Chiefs game from Monday night. Until then, everyone, I am your host, Evan Grote. And as always, just win, baby.